Hello and welcome to Sit and Listen, a production of Science in the News. We are a graduate student-led organization at Harvard University focused on generating discussions between scientists, other experts, and enthusiasts. The global pandemic caused by the novel coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2, has changed the world and altered all of our lives. In this series of episodes titled Scientists at Home, we present narratives of life and research during the pandemic from scientists and academics across a broad range of disciplines and stages of their careers. We hope that in hearing these narratives, you'll feel a sense of camaraderie with the scientific community as we acclimate to these difficult times. My name is Chad Stein, and I'm a fourth-year PhD student in the Biological and Biomedical Sciences program at Harvard University. On November 13th, 2020, I sat down with Dr. Emily Egan, a research associate in the Department of Biological Chemistry and Molecular Pharmacology at Harvard Medical School. Her research focuses on the notch signaling pathway, which is important in both development and diseases like cancer. For context, this interview was performed just as the first large-scale vaccine trial results were being released to the public. Hi, Emily. Hi, Chad. How's it going? Pretty good. Glad to hear it. Yeah, so would you mind starting off by telling us a little bit about yourself, about, you know, kind of your scientific interests, what you're doing now, what you're excited about? Sure. I'm Emily Egan. I'm a research associate in Steve Blackwell's lab. I did my postdoc in the Mwazid lab in the cell bio department. And then before that, I went to grad school at UC Berkeley I'm originally from this area, so after grad school, I wanted to move to Boston. Currently working on a project to visualize notch signaling, and notch signaling is an important pathway involved in development and tissue maintenance, and then also involved in cancer and developmental disorders. So my current project, which is a collaborative project, is to use advanced microscopy to watch the proteins in action inside living cells. And this involves a lot of CRISPR knock-ins of fluorescent protein tags and working with people inside my lab and in other labs to get the microscopy data. Hey, Chad here with a quick interjection. In talking about her project, Emily said that she uses CRISPR, which is a genome engineering technology that was the recipient of the 2020 Nobel Prize in Chemistry. If you'd like to learn more, we recently did an episode of it on Sit and Listen, so go back to your feed and check that out. Okay, now back to the interview. So it's very kind of new and an exciting direction for the lab and for me, and then I also do some other stuff around the lab to keep things running smoothly, like ordering things and managing lab meeting schedules and that sort of stuff. Cool. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you about kind of how more managerial aspects of your job have been affected over the last few months. If you could take us back to, you know, January, February, when we kind of had no idea how our lives would change over the next few months. What were you thinking in terms of, you know, just being a person, but also in terms of how, um, your research might be affected. Uh, yeah, I know. It seems like 
a long time ago now. Things were going smoothly. We had a new postdoc join our lab and to work with me on the project. Um, she was just getting started doing fellowship writing. And then, yeah, then it was pretty sudden when things just sort of drastically changed when they said that campus would be closing, that my kids' daycare would be closing. It was kind of a mad rush in the last few days. I had cell clones that I had done CRISPR on that I was frantically trying to freeze down where we all had to go. It was pretty stressful kind of managing the shutdown. Had one person who stayed um, and worked through the shutdown because um, he was working on a COVID project that I was in touch with him almost every day, managing, ordering him supplies and liquid nitrogen to keep our cell stocks alive. And it was just a lot kind of all happens at once. What was it like communicating with the higher ups, trying to figure out what things were going to be like and how things would move forward? Luckily, Steve, my PI, was really involved in a lot of the committees. I mean, he's department chair, so he had already had a lot of information and he was pretty good about sharing as much as he could with us and keeping us informed. And yeah, I think but there were points where he, he didn't have the answers to some of our questions either. So it was just kind of, yeah, crazy time. Yeah, there was very much a feeling of, you know, take it one day at a time, you know, maybe even one hour at a time at some points. Yeah, I think there was a lot of, I guess, emails back and forth about different decisions that were being made. And also with the reopening, there was a lot of speculation about when it could happen and how, what the rules were going to be. And so there was a lot of emails during the shutdown. But I think in general, we felt pretty well informed about what was going on as far as the planning. Before we get to, you know, the sort of the long quarantine, did the things that you were, you know, had having to rapidly shut down, did those end up working or was it like just so hectic that, you know, some of the stuff didn't end up panning out in the end? I think in the end, I was able to get all of the clones I wanted. It was a lot when I came back trying to remember where I put all of these, <laughs> all of these things in this mad dash at the end and then finishing the screening, waiting for them to grow again. And um, it was pretty disruptive. I mean, it could have been worse, but it's still, I mean, there's no good time to have your research project put on hold suddenly. So I felt like it could have been worse, but it was still pretty bad. Understandable. So now it's what, let's say April, May, we're sitting at home. What was life like then? Well, I didn't do too much sitting. So I have a two and a half year old and a five year old. So they had to be entertained and taken care of. So my husband is also working from home. So I would work in the mornings from like seven to one. And then he would work in the afternoons from like one to seven. So we were getting almost a whole day in, then also some post bedtime work, but it was good to not 
I guess, be able to just dwell on the state of the world and like, <laughs> just like read the internet and freak out. So they were, uh, the kids were a good distraction from that. Also, they had no idea really what was going on. So I was pretty grateful that they were so little that didn't have to explain too many things, just that there's a germ. And so we have to, we can't go to school and work and we have to stay away from other people. They kind of just like went with it. They're very innocent. So it was sort of refreshing to kind of be in their world. But we did a lot of like art projects and going for walks when it was my turn to take care of them. So in some ways it was nice to have a very relaxed schedule. Like we were never in a rush to go anywhere. There's nowhere to go. So that was kind of a silver lining. And I think the two of them became very close. Um, they were the only other kids to play with. So it was, yeah, it was a lot to take care of them and try to get work done. We were having like some journal clubs, some Zoom journal clubs, and um, we kept up doing some lab meetings until we got through everyone. But it was, yeah, it was a very strange time. So we still didn't know exactly how the virus was spreading. Normally we would see my parents and my husband's parents almost every weekend and none of us really felt safe doing that at that time. So we did some Zoom meetings with them as well, but it was still like kind of a surreal period. Do you think it took more time for you to adjust or for your kids to adjust to, you know, what was going on? I think me, I think they were just like, it was sort of like a, every day was a weekend for them. So I think they kind of liked it, honestly, had a lot of parental attention and access to all the toys with minimal competition. I think for me, it was like, just always worrying about, yeah, what was going to happen in the world and with my friends and family and coworkers. And yeah, they were kind of blissfully unaware. So are you able to continue your research from home or it sounds like you were doing a lot of more like wet lab stuff. So maybe that would have been more difficult to, you know, keep up if not impossible. Yeah. I mean, I did a lot of reading and like updated my electronic lab notebook and yeah, I had meetings with the group and my PI and journal clubs and things like that. I think like a lot of people is even without kids that it's, it was pretty hard to focus during that time. There's a lot of unknowns and uncertainty and yeah, not being in the lab, our lab in general, there's not a lot of computational work. So a lot of people felt like their projects were really stalled. And so that was hard to go from being in the lab every day and working with the cells and stuff, and then just being stuck at home and not being able to progress the way you wanted. So now it's like June, July, things are maybe starting to look up a little bit. There's talk of, you know, reopening research labs. What would that, what was that time like for you both in terms of, you know, your home life, your, your science, and then also in your sort of managerial roles and actually keeping the lab together? Yeah, that time there was like, some news that we would be reopening and then it, but it wasn't really, un, 
wasn't clear when, and then it was sort of, we were always asking Steve every lab meeting, like for updates. There was a lot of behind the scenes stuff going on about like getting the necessary supplies and making sure it could reopen safely. And people generally in the lab were pretty impatient to get back because it had been like three months at that point and kind of like read pretty much every paper you wanted to read. And so people were getting excited. And then there was all this paperwork about planning the reopening and how to manage the shift schedule because we didn't have enough space to have one person per bay to have everyone back at once. And so there were a lot of emails about how do we organize the shifts. We settled on one week on, one week off, but there was a lot of disagreement about, yeah, the schedule. Some people wanted to have full days to get things done, but other people really hated having to be stuck at home for an entire week. I can imagine with people having such different work preferences and different kinds of experiments going on, it was hard to, you know, balance that decision. Yeah. And I think we started back on the shift schedule around the 15th of June. And we were also getting word from our daycare that they were preparing for their reopening. And they were actually able to reopen July 1st. Because for me, if the lab's open, that's great. But if there's only my husband to watch the kids for half the day, then that really restricts my schedule. So it was really great when they were able to reopen around the same time. What was that process like for them? Were they, you know, excited to go back or were they missing mom and dad or how did that go? We're pretty excited to go back. Some families waited to send their kids back until September, but we wanted to send them back to the same classrooms in September, they switched classrooms to have that kind of continuity with the teachers they had had before the shutdown to kind of make the transition easier. And I think that worked out well for them because there were already so many other changes. They have to wear their masks, which luckily they're very good about doing. When they check in, they get their temperature taken and hand sanitizer. And so there's like this whole kind of new process. No parents are allowed to go in the building. So you have to say goodbye to them outside. So it was good that at least some things stayed the same in terms of the teachers and their classmates. That sounds like really overwhelming in terms of the amount of change for such small kids, but I hope they handled it well. Yeah, it went pretty well. And now they're very used to it. They're in the next classrooms now and they settled in and they seem to be thriving and there have been no like incidents like cases at the daycare so um, and they're being like very careful about everything and spending as much time as possible outside so we we feel good about it and we really trust the teachers and the director so yeah it wasn't a super hard decision of course we worry but I think safe that we made that decision. And now that things are kind of, I think we've maybe settled into our new normal a little bit. How have things been in terms of research? I'm really happy to be back. It does feel almost normal besides the masks. 
where we have two people per bay. And so we rearrange things so that we can have everyone at the same time and still be spaced and things are up and running again. It's just always kind of nerve wracking when you watch the case counts in Massachusetts, like, could we get shut down again? Is it gonna be that nightmare all over again? I'm currently growing up another round of CRISPR clones. So I have this like fear that could be like a repeat of the previous shutdown. But for now, uh, I think it's pretty great. I really like seeing everyone again, being around people. My husband is still working at home all alone and it's pretty tough. He's pretty lonely. They have a lot of Zoom meetings and things, but it's still, it's not the same. How do you think beyond the, the four walls of your own lab, how do you think the pandemic has affected science in general? I think it's definitely slowed things down for a lot of people. I really feel for the people who work with mice and other kind of animal experiments that involve many months of preparation and that the interruption can be very devastating. I'm glad that we're not in that boat, but my sense is that uh, a lot of people had their momentum disrupted and then depending on the restrictions where you are, if you can't have all of your people working at the same amount they used to, that seems really tough. So I think it's not great, but at least a lot of science, like you can write grants and prepare talks and read papers from home. And the job security, at least in academic labs around here, like I don't think people are worried that pandemic's gonna cause them to lose their job, which is not the case in some other sectors. So I think in some ways being in science isn't a bad thing to be in right now, but the uncertainty of if we could have another shutdown, I think really weighs on people and makes me nervous to plan like, and I'm sure other people nervous to plan long-term experiments. You mentioned that somebody in your lab was doing COVID research. What is What was your experience with that? And what has your impression been of COVID research in general? Uh, he was working on making protein for drug screens and for structural biology. And so I think there are so many people working on this and the recent positive vaccine news makes me really hopeful that science is going to play a positive role in public life. I do worry about people mistrusting or distrust, not having trust in science. And I'm hoping that if we do have a successful vaccine and then we're able to get through this, that maybe people's opinion of science would improve. But it's hard to say at this point. I mean, people don't seem to be listening to scientists in terms of following the public health precautions. And so that is very disheartening. But it's really positive to see that so many people are putting their efforts towards developing therapeutics and vaccines for this virus. And that's very exciting. It's been very inspiring to see how the entire scientific community has come together to really work toward this one very, uh, very important goal. 
maybe just to finish up a little bit more of a lighthearted question. Have you picked up any new hobbies during the pandemic? Yeah, definitely. I've watched a lot of Netflix. Sure, I'm not alone in that. Got it really into podcasts. So that's been good, especially because I've been driving to and from the lab. So it's something to listen to and make the drive go faster. In terms of hobbies, been doing a lot of cooking and art and science experiments with my kids. So that's really fun. I've also gotten really good at cutting hair. My husband hasn't wanted to go to the barber, so we got some clippers. They were back ordered for a really long time though, so we sort of had to manage before that, but now I'm really good. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Chad. Take care. See ya.